All right, boys and girls, we're back. Back at it again, huh? Uh, Farmer Chris, you're like the regular uh, <laughs> official uh, podcast co-host now. I just fill in, don't I? And, and, and the, the sad part is, is works a lot, is like literally running around outside somewhere. Uh, yeah, we can't get him wrangled in. nowhere to be found. So He's come 11 hours, we can't get him the yeah, last. Yeah, 11 hours, we can't get him the last three minutes <laughs> yeah. to the door. So we did, uh, last podcast we did was, I don't even remember. Good, bad, and ugly on social media. Well, that's still be determined if it's going to post because okay. GoPro made some uh, GoPro mistakes. We, we did so. a few podcasts, but we have a guest today. Yeah, we've got a new guest today. You know uh, I'll let you introduce our guest. Uh, gator. We gonna call? Is that we gonna go incognito? It's, with it's the all-out gator. <laughs> all-out gator. I think yeah. more people know me as Gator than they do my real name. So. <laughs> well, there's several people in the county probably don't even yeah. know who Dave Gailey is. If so. I had to think about it whenever you said he was gonna be on. <laughs> I text. I said, "What about Dave Gailey?" He was, yeah, Gator. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's give a little bit of background. We've known each other for. Uh, I don't know. We've known each other for a good while. Should we uh, let the cat out of the bag that your oldest daughter like technically works for me, but she don't want to be seen over there? Oh no, no. let it out. Let it out. <laughs> let it out. She'll come scratching. So, if, so, yeah. so basically, if you guys leave a really rude comment on Instagram yeah. or Facebook or TikTok, <laughs> she's the one to deal with that. She's the to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, your daughter worked for us down at the store for a while, did an awesome job. She's uh, helped me with some of my social media stuff for a while. We've known each other. For a long time, but probably got to know each other a little better here in the last yeah. four or five years. You guys know each other for a long well, time. Well, a gator's probably going to slap me, but my grandma and your grandma were sisters. Is that correct? Uh, Something like that. No, we're related. We're going to start getting the Hoover comment. Yeah. How much you do look like. Yeah. <laughs> we're related one way or the other down the I'm road. I'm starting so. to feel like I'm going to get teamed up on now. Yeah. I don't know if I feel like this is going to go. It's on our mom's side. So. Yeah, your mom's mom. So uh, yes. you guys both yes. went to Perry Central School as well, right? Yep. Gator's got a few more years on me, a lot more gray hair. Did he uh, miss the day where they taught how to read a calendar? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was scheduled for Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. You want? You want? Yeah, I'm going to sit back and just. <laughs> yeah, you want to describe how this went down? Well, I do admit. Um, no, I, we're not giving him the benefit of doubt on nothing. It's, it is literally white and blue and white on a text message. Yes, it is. It's not like black and white. It's I, on. I text, text him at eight thirty on a Tuesday evening. Tuesday, Tuesday. You know. What, would you build? That comes, there's seven days, and Tuesday comes after Monday. Would you build do a, a podcast tomorrow? He answers me Wednesday morning. Yeah, what time? <laughs> Scheduled time. Me and you're sitting here. He's nowhere to be found. Gator's nowhere to be found. He said tomorrow. It was tomorrow, it's yesterday, not, when I texted. Not the day you answer the text message, it's the day you receive the text message. Oh, he's talking engineering time. <laughs> so, anyways, we had to. We made. We've we had a lot of fun out of it. Yep. You know, it's it's crazy. We've done a few podcasts, and we survived without you. So oh, yeah. it's it's we finally we finally got them on. We had man behind the scenes fill in. For oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We had man behind the scenes on there. So, but uh, anyways, glad to have him on. You got a little bit of uh, unique. Uh, well, let's do, uh, before we go down that road. Okay. Let's. Uh, we're, ha- we're we got you on here because you are. Technically, I'm air quoting here, if people can't see me, an engineer. Technically, yes. You've worked with two major companies, mm-hmm. well-known companies. You can yeah. name them if you want. But you didn't take the normal in, normal route a normal person would get to be to that. I did not. And I, I'm on my channel, I'm very vocal about how I feel about engineers. <laughs> uh, I've heard. <laughs> I cut them no slack. Right. Um, so first off... Uh, give us a little bit of background on your history, how it got where you're at, and maybe some of your credentials. 
Well, I started out um, started out basically going into a drafting um, uh, program program occupation. Um, I started at um, a little company called Southern Tank in Owensboro. Really? Oh, I didn't for, know you worked yeah, there. I worked there for right around six months. That fuel tank on the back of my truck. I yep. had them custom make that over there. Yep. And uh, I worked there, and uh, at the same I put in an application for those guys, I put an application in for a major diesel company, which is which my favorite. Favorite. My favorite of all time. Company. Yeah. This is, this is where it gets good. You're an yeah. engineer. That's my favorite company. <laughs> is that that big C? That's sarcasm. If anybody. <laughs> sarcasm? <laughs> if anybody hasn't noticed. <laughs> But they had a journeymanship program that um, basically entailed the drafting occupation, and it, I accepted. I went yep. up there. I worked, I worked there for seven years, which the unique part of that was uh, that was back in the early 90s. And That's when – so can we name the company? Sure. I, so you went with Cummins Corporation. With Cummins, yes. Which Cummins is a worldwide leader in diesel engines from what down to about 100 horse up through 600 horse, 600 uh, horse. It's huge, yeah. It's, um, it's well, they, yeah, they've got the V's, stuff like that. Got uh, of course, stuff. they kind of hit and miss a little bit on what they're more popular in. Uh, and their world headquarters is about an hour and a half north of us where we're located yes. here. Yeah, yeah. So wherever you said you went to work for Cummins, you went to work for the Cummins. The Cummins, yes. Uh, the big dogs right up the road. Anybody mm -hmm. that's been to Columbus, Indiana knows the compound they got up there. It's mm -hmm. pretty it's pretty impressive. As much as I've been vocal on my channel about how much I do not like engineers, or I've Cummins. also pretty been <laughs> pretty vocal about how much I don't like Cummins. Now how many Cummins did you're getting two pieces of equipment what? with Cummins in them now? What? Is that correct? Did I hear that right? One, I'm stuck in the barn. Oh, God. Oh, that's your own fault, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had a lot of them over the years I sold. We'll get into we'll get into the details. I don't want to group all their engines together hmm. as bad engines. They, they've they've got lucky and made a few good ones. Um. And there's some things about there's some things about them I like, but there's some features about them that are consistent throughout most models that drive me batshit crazy. Huh. <laughs> Probably a pretty short drive, don't you think? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing: you know where they've been, yeah, <laughs> and you know where they yeah, stopped. That's yeah. Right. yeah. All right. So they sure marked their spot. They do mark. They're like a, kind of like a dog, but uh, so uh, seven years up there. Seven years. And and. I guess this is a little bit of a segue into, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seven years you spent at Cummins, you hired in as a draftsman. Mm -hmm. And you, would you say you left there as a mechanical engineer? I left there as a mechanical designer, I'll say. Okay. I wouldn't say they consider a full-fledged engineer job yeah. because. But you um, were engineering and designing parts. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which. I don't know if that path is easily available today, but I feel like the circle's coming back around to where it is. Uh, actually, I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, and I don't want to compare you to Matt, Mr. Millennial, but in a totally different industry, he kind of had the same path. He showed up as a salesman, showed up as a problem solver, worked with the next design houses. The next thing you know, he's in there mm -hmm. designing them with them, which, yeah. which yeah. would kind of be a similar, mm -hmm. like there's more than one way to get your butt in the door. Right. And I feel like, with people, of course, I'm an employer. I hire people. I know people who hire people. I feel like with qualified people becoming less available, that 
employers are starting to look more at what you can do instead of what you've been told you can do, which is what education does, right. is basically yeah. tell you what yeah. you can do. Did I say that right? No, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate, yeah. Um, so, uh, well, tell us a little bit about it. You got, you got. After the you left Cummins, are you at the current job you was at then? Yeah, now? yeah. Okay. I left Cummins to to move to an automotive company down in uh, New Albany. So, for people who are not really familiar with the progression of the history of the diesel engine, if you got there in the early '90s, you got there at a really exciting time mm -hmm. because it was switching over from mechanical injection to computer controlled or electronic injection. Yes. <clears throat> And, and pre-emissions. Pre-emissions, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Cummins has also kind of been known for being the head of the curve on a lot of different yes, things. very much so. Uh, and they, they really, they truly are. Right. They truly are. Which is one of the reasons, I mean, if people want to doubt what I'm saying, it's the reason why you still see Cummins motors in over-the-road trucks, mm -hmm. and you do not see any Caterpillar That's motors correct. in yeah. over-the-road trucks. They couldn't Cummins stayed up. ahead of that. Yeah. I personally feel like Detroit was the best prepared for the first uh, round of emissions. Mm -hmm. But I'd say Cummins was probably a pretty close second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Detroit, man, whatever um, state, what do they call it? Stage one, stage phase two. One or phase one, yeah. phase two, mm -hmm. phase three, and then it was final, wasn't it? Yeah. Tier, uh, tier one. Tier, tier one, one, there he was. Yeah. Tier, tier one, two. One. It's tier one, two, three, and final. Yeah. And uh, everybody kind of caught up with everybody at three and final. But man, in the beginning, Detroit and Cummins had it. Mm -hmm. They had it figured yeah. out in the very beginning. Yeah, it, it's really neat because some of the stuff that I was that I saw that I was working on, and you know, at the time you get to see this actually run on test cell engines and stuff like that. Um, you know, some of the stuff that I worked on back then is, you know, really starting to peek its head out now. You know, which so is so it's been sitting on the shelf the whole time. Yeah, because they didn't have to have it. Which I watch a lot. I'm getting off in the weeds here, but I watch a lot of aviation videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Boeing's taking a lot of heat right now because they're basically saying we're not going to design a new airplane this decade because the technology is not there to support it. Mm -hmm. But as doomsday-ish as that sounds, it goes back to your point. You just said if it takes that long, not only do you have to forecast what the demand's going to be 15, 20 years from now, mm -hmm what the regulations are going to be 15, 20 years from now, it takes five, six, seven years. What does it take? Probably three to four years to design it, another three to four years to test it, another three to four years to implement it? Um, depending on, I mean. Depending on what you're doing. I mean, obviously there's more technical engines out there and less technical engines out there. I know when they talk about uh, designing cars, they talk about designing cars in three years. Um, that's a short time for it's short time. designing yeah. a car, and an engine's really not that different when you look at the detail that said that, that you have to put into that engine. Uh, modern day computer stuff is speeding the yeah speeding and, it all uh, up faster as we go. Yeah, CAD software is making a huge impact on it, and it it does it, it CAD software can make an engineer. Yeah, it really can. Because um, it puts you in a box and keeps you from going outside your parameters. Well, that's actually why I was got the engineering position because I didn't stay in that box. <laughs> so there's. It reminds me of a joke the other day, and this old engineer passed away, and this young guy goes to his funeral, and he said, "Who's staying outside the box now, Bob?" John <laughs> <laughs> stuck, ain't he? <laughs> I laughed. I laughed pretty good at that one. <laughs> 
Uh, well, and I guess that's what, uh, you know, the, I guess that's what makes uh, one engineer different from the other, one that's willing to think outside the box and push an envelope. And, um, you know, one, one of my biggest pet peeves in life, I know I'm not the only one that says this, is why are you doing that? Well, that's the way we always did it. Right. Or, you know, I get a comment every once in a while is, why don't you do it like Chris or why don't you do it like Bob or why don't you do it like so-and-so? I'm not saying they're doing it wrong, but just because they're doing it don't make it right either. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? We got in that argument at work all the time. There's there's more than one way to do something right. Yeah, you know, the way I build a lake and the way somebody else may build a lake may be totally different. That don't mean either one of us is wrong or right. Yeah. There's more than one way to get to a destination. You know, you're going to take the train, the boat, the car, the airplane, or what? But if you all end up in the same spot, yeah, um, you're what, there. What, what does it really matter at that point? So, um, I know some stuff you may not be able to talk about. I mean, can you, any projects that you worked on at Cummins that we may know be out there in the world today? A lot. Uh, well, we worked right towards the end of my career there. Um, we was working on the, basically the coolers. The intercoolers, the, the coolers on mounted on the side of the engine and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, that was a technology I believe they were able to implement with the the N14 to revamp it just a little bit. Um, was think, the N14 eventually become the signature 600? Uh, with one head, yeah. Yeah, with one, one head, head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like how they've tried to camouflage their projects. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> Which them coolers become much more important in the emissions day and age yes. because you're controlling more temperatures than just water and oil. You're not controlling EGR temperatures, fuel temperatures, right. intake air temperatures. Yeah. Uh, there's Which EGR is one of the biggest, uh, at the time, was one of the biggest challenges out there because they never could take the heat. Go yeah. back and correct some, catch some dummies up when you say a one head. So these are six-cylinder diesel motors. Mm -hmm. So the M14 had three heads, three valve covers. And then, you know, the new ISX-15s or whatever is you one know, head, you one know, valve You cover know the main on. reason why they went to one head? Because Cummins, to deal with heat issues, wanted to put the EGR in the internal. Internal. I wasn't there for that. Yeah, I can answer that question for you. I dealt with it. Uh, which, which honestly makes the engine look a lot cleaner. That's yeah. why a lot of their emissions engines had a lot cleaner look. There was a lot less garbage hanging off the side of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the main reason to go to a, a, a single one-piece head. A single head. Uh, I think they and they went to an overhead camshaft. Yeah. Uh, that's another big reason. Which an overhead camshaft is. I don't know if it's more efficient for the engine, but it's more efficient because there's less moving parts with push rods and all that good stuff, rocker arms. Well, there were some other technologies built into that. So it was, it was actually really neat, but I'll leave that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> look, look out, he's, yeah. he's still hiding secrets all these years later. Oh, I know. Well, they're still sitting <laughs> on the shelf. He can hide yes. the secrets, but he sure can't hide their own leaks, can he? <laughs> I don't have to. No, I mean, you see stuff. On the news article stuff, you know, Cummins is, uh, I think, actually looking on some hydrogen fuel oh, equipment. Oh, yeah, motors. alternate fuels has always been one of their... And then I, well, I've seen back... an ad this morning, like a 48-volt, 10-liter mm -hmm. motor, so I don't know how a electric and diesel are yeah. working together here, so we'll, we'll see what they're coming up with. There, there were... I don't, I don't know. I, that yeah. was something I never worked on was the electric yeah. side of it. 
I mean, I guess Chris opened the whole can of worms here, so let's dive into that one. <laughs> I mean, even back whenever, uh, I never was an engineer for Mack Trucks, but I dealt with a lot of the engineers through the dealership for Mack Trucks. And even back then, uh, we were in the industry pretty much at the same time, early mm -hmm. 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, even back then, there was a big push or a big talk about alternative fuels and mm -hmm. different things. And uh, a lot of people may not know this, but you can actually take a diesel engine, and pull the injector out, put a spark plug in and run it on natural gas. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to change the heads, you don't have to change anything. Uh, the only thing you do is take the injection pump off, if it has one, or the injection system off, pull the, pull the, pull the injector out. And a lot of times, like in these third world countries, that's how they'd run these big generators. Mm -hmm. They'd go out and dr drill, a nat uh, drill a natural gas well, and uh, they'd just feed one of these big diesel engines and with, natural gas. with natural gas and let them run. Uh, I don't know what the specs are. I believe the horsepower goes up, but the torque goes down. Uh, it's minimal. Uh, they do produce a lot more heat running off right. that, so you have to control that a little bit. But um, a diesel engine is nothing more than a big air pump that runs off heat. That's all it is. It don't matter, honestly, if it's running off hydrogen, natural gas, cooking oil. It don't care what you cram down its throat. If it's hot enough to make If it's hot enough to burn, it's going to burn. Yeah. You know, a gas engine is a lot more temperamental about what it'll do, mm -hmm. which makes, <clears throat> everybody wants to poo-poo on a diesel engine, but which makes it extremely universal yeah. when it comes to alternate fuels. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, now, obviously, we live in the world here today where EVs, electric vehicles, are all the rage. Mm -hmm. Um I want to go on the record and be perfectly clear. I have nothing against electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. I honestly think they got their place in certain scenarios and applications. If you lived in a big city and never went more than 30 blocks a day to work or this, that, or the other. Or, pretty nice. Yeah, it'd be, I'd probably have one in a heartbeat. But what drives me absolutely crazy about them is they act like it's an answer for everything. And it's not. Right. Um, the second thing that drives me crazy about them is they act like they're saving the environment with these things. And if you really want to get nitty gritty dirty about it, they burn way more diesel fuel, mining lithium, in third world countries with no regulations that are destroying the environment mm -hmm. versus what we do mining fossil fuels. Lithium, as far as I know, is a um, non-renewable resource. But still, you know, you've got to mine fossil fuels, you know, for a diesel motor, we still got to mine fossil fuels for the coal or the, the fuel coal, for the power exactly. plant to produce electric. Um, and then, <laughs> to my point, they are good in a lot of scenarios, but they are not a catch-all. Like, you're not, um, it is unrealistic to think that everything that has an internal combustion engine in it today can run on electric in 15 years. The technology is not there yet. The technology, the infrastructure, no, nothing's no, there. No. no, even if you try and get rid of fossil fuels, you're looking at solar, you're looking at wind, you're looking at other ways to generate the juice. And those have proven here in the last couple of years that they're not efficient enough. Like or reliable. Or reliable, that's right. Uh, everybody, you know, windmills and solar panels especially. Again, we have um, a big, I don't know how many... I think a windmill holds like 300 and 400 gallons of oil or something in them. Uh, well, we went on that. Uh, oh, there's oil all over them fields. Tour up there, yeah, to your cousin's uh, axle place. And they know what else? There are windmills up there and they're just 
block I stuff right down, down the pole. You can just see oil and then, running down them. And then you want to talk about uh, what else was laying in the oil, a bunch of dead birds. Dead, dead birds, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, then you want to talk about um, the efficiency of solar panels, which they're efficient, but their efficiency is based off the first year of existence. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the graph, it's mm -hmm. downhill off. slide. So um, I don't know. Maybe somebody can comment on this. Maybe you have an answer. I don't, I don't know why more hybrid technology hasn't filtered into um, the construction and filter world, construction and equipment world. Caterpillar has had a D7 dozer with an electric drive motor in it. Uh, actually, the very first prototype ran in the coal mines down in Madisonville, Kentucky. Dad was in the coal mines mm -hmm. uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, that dozer is still in production today. Nobody ever talks about it. Dad ran the dozer. Of course, Dad's been gone for a while. I remember Dad talking about it. Mm -hmm. He had zero complaints about yeah. it whatsoever back then. Fuel efficiency was half of what they are today. And I'm not 100% for sure. That dozer is still not running down there in the coal mine. That was the original one. So it's still got a diesel motor and run a generator. It's got like a 70 horse diesel motor that runs a generator, and it's got a great. It's got two electric drive motors instead of final drive. Final it has drive no transmission, no transmission oil, no nothing. It's set up like a train. Uh, they actually yeah. had one at Con Expo yeah. when we were out there last year. Um, same as a train locomotive. Yeah. Same as some of these tugboats. Yeah. Uh, diesel he, diesel versus well, electric. What was longer wage at uh, Con Expo? He kept was it turbine engines running generators? Was yeah. that his big kick? Yeah. He was Which, on? The problem with a turbine engine running a generator is I think you'd have to run it off diesel fuel because okay. jet fuel is like a higher grade of diesel fuel, which diesel. is much more okay. explosive. Yeah. Uh, one huge advantage of diesel fuel is it's not combustible, it's flammable. It's flammable, but not So yeah. you, can, you can dump diesel fuel out here on the ground, take a torch to it, and it won't light. Yeah, right. you, missed it out of a, you missed it out of like a Windex bottle or yeah. something and it'll blow up. Yeah. Or gas, if you do that, it's going to blow up. Gonna, so jet fuel is a much more combustible version of diesel fuel yep yep so you got to be kind of careful and then if you run a jet engine off straight up diesel fuel since you lost the combustibility of it i think you lose some of the efficiency mm -hmm. uh which i i hear wade's argument but yeah. I, there's there's issues there too but um so then, then i guess the next one's hydrogen right yeah well i mean everybody agrees that hydrogen is probably the answer the problem is it's storing it uh yeah i'm not sure i'd want to drive one I mean, you're basically literally driving around on a bomb. Yeah. Well, we've proven that with that blimp, so it doesn't <laughs> blow up too. So. That was, was that hydrogen? I guess that yeah. was hydrogen. It was a hydrogen blimp yeah. years ago. The, was it Heldenburg? Was that Heldenburg, one? I think it was. Yeah. Hindenburg. 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 There you go. Uh, well, I've got a farmer question for a diesel guy. What's good, bad, and ugly with the soy diesel running diesel motors? Well, I mean... I don't know, okay. unless you're talking about your sulfur content and stuff like that. Well, I mean, people, can, do they, does it gel or not gel? What, the algae? Everybody's talking about the algae in like yeah. soy diesel. You guys familiar with any of that? Or? So the, what, I've, whatever, what I was told through my schooling about soy diesel is it's the same thing as um, ethanol on the gas side. Is diesel fuel has to be about 450 or $5 a gallon to make it more efficient, to make it out of beans, yep. soy oil versus crude oil. So it's more of a market game. I think ethanol is somewhere around 350 a gallon to make it's, mm -hmm. it's once once get once fuel reaches 350 a gallon and these numbers may have changed. It's what yeah. I'm going off back in the past. Once it reaches like 350 a gallon, at that point, it's cheaper to make gas out of corn than gas out of crude oil. 
I think with soy diesel, it's uh, around 450 a gallon. Uh, as far as the quality of the diesel, um, I think it's basically the same in the additive package. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. So I don't. Well, I've made the comment on one of these channels, but the corn market follows the crude oil market. If you see crude oil going up, corn's going to go up because ethanol is going to. It drives the ethanol market, which right. drives the corn market. Which raises the big question: Is it a good idea to make fuel out of food? Um, there's a lot of byproducts comes out of the fuel yeah. process. The one, the one huge advantage of making uh, gasoline out of corn is no part of that corn goes to waste, right? No, because once they dry it down, that gets turned into other forms of food substances and dog higher food, protein, higher protein stuff, uh, food substances. Because I mean, what's left is still used, is still available we, for you know, on like an ethanol plant, we call it DDGs, which is the uh, the fiber part of the corn, you know, so. It's very high protein, very high quality feed coming out of it. Now, on the, uh, I remember going to Indiana State Fair and going into that building with everything in there that's made out of uh, soybeans. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, I've I mean, it would just blow your mind from shoes to lipstick, lipstick to shoe polish to yeah. cereals to peanut butter to. Uh, I think there was a Lego in there, plastic. Yeah, some plastic, plastic stuff comes out yep. of it. Um, I'm sure it's probably on Indiana's website somewhere. It probably or, is, or an Indiana soybean board. I'm sure you board. can look it up. Just yeah. Google products from soil corn or soy. Yeah, uh, and it'll just absolutely blow your mind about um, what uh, yep what's made from those different products. So, you know, I, I guess as a double-edged sword, you bring up like, do we mean to make fuel out of food? But right. I mean, from a farmer perspective, I think it's good because it helps keep the prices up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be more concerned about keeping our crop in our country. Yeah, that's well. I yeah, mean, I could see that. Dude. You know, that's yeah. There's you ain't gonna eat yellow food or yellow corn out. I'm of the hungry field. enough. You, I might. You might. You make <laughs> makes a lot of cornbread out of it. Grinder for cornmeal, but cornbread eats too. Yeah. But you know, your, your food grade corn be your white corn or your sweet corn. Well, let me ask you this, and we're getting way off yeah. base here. Can the United States produce enough crop with the available farmland we have to support our population? Oh yeah, we're 27% of our corn production out of the U.S. goes to Mexico right now. Right, so. So, yeah, we've, we've got to have exports to get rid of our food right now. So that's, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess with that being said, the exports help keep the prices, the demand high, demand which keeps high. the price up. But Now there's, like last year, we had U.S. planted 92 million acres of soybeans. We're exporting a bunch of that. And if this sustainable aviation fuel takes off, which is soy oil fuel, we need an additional 90 million acres of soybeans just to feed that market. It's a lot. That's a lot. We need 200 million acres of solar panels to keep up with electrical demand that's, right now. Where's all this acreage coming from? That's unrealistic. Yeah. Because yeah, those acres are going to have to share each other to some extent. I mean, yeah. I know they're getting more creative about covering parking garages with them and different things like that, which is a good dual purpose. But taking yeah. up good farmland for yeah. this stuff is just yeah. blows my mind. Right. So, 
Uh, all right, circling back around, getting on track. We've talked about hydrogen, we've talked about electric, we've talked about natural gas, diesel, gas, some turbine stuff. Is there any other alternative fuels that we need to be keeping our eye out for? Uh, no, the the only the thing I've worked on here in last probably the late the early two thousands was uh, I actually worked on some of the electric vehicles and the hybrid vehicles with that at the at the company in New Albany. Right. Um, so before we get off the diesel engine kick and get into where you're at now, I feel this is my opinion, my opinion solely. Nobody can somebody can jump on this. I feel like the um, DEF, which is the diesel exhaust fluid systems that are put on these diesel engines nowadays, uh, was a quick, easy band-aid to meet government regulations. Everybody was in a panic. Uh, Cummins actually played fines for a few years mm -hmm. on some engines instead of putting these systems on there. Uh, basically, all they do is spray ammonia in the exhaust stream, which is the DEF fluid. Uh, which uh, catches the carbon particles out of the exhaust stream and basically reduces the NOx. Reduces the NOx. So if they could get that, so let me end that statement by saying, in most applications, if that system's working properly, the engine that goes, the air that goes through the air filter on that engine actually comes out the exhaust pipe cleaner. Technically, I guess. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to go the engineering route, so technically. <laughs> technically. Now, I know the reality of that answer is it depends on what you're measuring for. Exactly. And so, the levels you're measuring. Yes, exactly. But that's their argument is that they, they, they clean the air as they run, which okay. uh, for carbon and a few other things, they might be right. There's other mm -hmm. stuff they're just letting slide underneath the rug. We're going to pretend like we didn't happen, like the train that went into the damn river nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> In East Palestine. Did you see where Erin Brockovich has got involved in that now? No. Oh boy. No. Yeah, she said this is worse than, what was the one she did out there in uh, California? Oh, is that the... The power plant that... Well, I, had, no, I did not know she's involved yeah, in that. Yeah, she's, uh, she's fired up and rolling. She said this is the worst gaslighting she's seen since back then. She ain't going to let it slide. Anyways, we're off track again. Uh, so, uh, all these manufacturers, their quick and easy answer to this... Um, DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, or spraying ammonia into this um, was not an overly new technology. Like, power plants have been doing this for a while on some of their stacks. Like, we kind of knew this worked. Uh, my opinion is the government took wind of this, that we can force these guys to use this technology that they got to make it work. I don't know the answer to this, but I feel like, and I'm amazed that nobody's come up with a better system than that, because those just there's so many moving parts so there's pumps there's sensors there's hoses there's injectors there's so many moving parts to the whole thing and ammonia is corrosive it's hard on Correct. stuff um do you know or do you see in the future a totally different style system for emissions i think it would uh yes i do i do i think there's technologies that can be fine-tuned way much better than they are. Are some of these technologies using static electricity charges to control some of this stuff? Not that I'm aware of, but that doesn't mean they're not out there. <laughs> <laughs> Why won't he talk, Chris? Uh. Uh, so I gave an example of one. Why don't you give an example of one? 
Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's an engineer's prerogative, you know, it's denial, right? Denial, denial. That's part of the reason you love them so much. Does this go back to the conversation we had off camera about since we didn't invent it, we don't talk about it? Some, uh, no, that's not this case because there's, okay. there's things that have been invented that I won't claim and because I don't agree with them. But uh, there is there are situations like that. Uh, good things that have been invented will not be put out to the public because... It's a pride issue with some stuff. Right. What, what, can you answer this question? <laughs> Do you foresee us having a total revamp of the emission systems in the next five years on diesel engines? Uh, I don't think so. You think we're going to stay where we're at for a while? I think for a while. I think, I think it's a, one of those, it ain't broke, let's not mess with it. Can you answer this question? Can you confirm the technologies out there to remove these systems if we wanted to? I believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say whether I know or not, but I believe it is. Uh, I'm, I'm well, he, he's really good at backing in corners. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you. I'll change subjects. On <laughs> I was just getting started, Father. Why are you backing me up? Well, you mentioned power plants a while ago. Uh, I hauled some uh, scrubber stone for a couple of years. Which scrubber stone is a limestone rock mix that they take to a power plant, they grind it in the lime, make a slurry out of it, and some way put it. They grind it up into a powder and powder. They, they dust it in. Dust it in, so it's collecting the pollutants out of the smokestacks and keeps it out of the air, so it's bonding it to a material. Yeah, whatever. Um the calcium in that rock is it NOx or the it's it's a carbon particle. I'm going to get the yeah. science on this wrong, but whatever they don't want in the air will we'll chemically to bond to that calcium in that rock. What do they do with that when they're done with that? As far stuff? as I know, it gets buried in the ash ponds. What part of that goes to the drywall plants then? Uh, that's the gypsum, which is a different form of a calcium rock that's ground up. And okay. I, I, they may have used some of that. Scrubber stone and gypsum are pretty similar because they're high in calcium, but uh, Jerry Davis would be able to answer that for well, us. We hauled scrubber stone to Gibson Station, dumped it, went around back, and got a slurry that come out of the smokestacks and hauled to a drywall plant in Shoals so they could make drywall out of it. That may have been just uh, the wet bottom ash. That'd be a good question for Aaron if he was here. Yeah. Um, yeah, in, in power plants, they do the exact same thing. They inject, right, usually on the backside of their SCRs, which are bag houses, which is no different than a DPF on an diesel yeah. engine. Uh, they inject ammonia into the exhaust stream of the, of the fuel burn. And honestly, if these, Aaron will tell you these power plants don't always have everything working properly, but if they are, the air coming out of them is, yeah. is fairly clean as well. You know what I mean? Like, um, just because it used to be dirty and nasty and bad don't mean it still is dirty and yeah, nasty and exactly. bad. Is that, it's like, it's like, like coal fired. Uh, you know, a lot of these like Peabody coal mine, which is a big coal company in our area. Yep. I would say half of their mining equipment was run off electric. Their oh, great yeah. big shovels mm -hmm. and their big mine trucks yeah. ran from electric back mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, they big shovels electric. You know what I mean? I remember going down there as a kid with dad and watching some of these things run, these coal mines, these big yeah. electric shovels. So that, I mean, that technology's old. Now, back in the 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s, where, I mean, I remember we, we, the largest coal-fired power plant in the country is what, 30 miles from here? 
I yeah, lived easy. I lived 15 miles downwind from it in Troy, where I grew up at. Yeah. I can remember if the wind blew just right, you had a black layer of scum oh, in yeah. your car. Oh, yeah. Everybody in this area dealt with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that power plant don't run as hard as what it used to, no. but I don't. Uh, now it's the foundry. Everybody, the foundry is the yeah, dirty polluter around yeah. here. Nobody talks about, but everybody still blames it on the power plant. Yeah, it's the power plant. <laughs> you know, but it's the dang foundry. And as far as I know, the foundry don't have minimal emissions. Emissions. Yeah. And they're blowing core sand all over the place, and and all the fumes from from melting that. Yeah, we. So we, let, let's take this into perspective. I don't want to get. I'm getting off off here, but. They literally buy cars out of a junkyard and literally throw them in a fire. And melt them. And melt them. <laughs> well, you over a smile bar. You know I'm right, don't you? I, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you are no fun. Prerogative, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nobody talks about that, but everybody wants to talk about this coal-fired power plant that's got all these emissions and bag houses and SCRs and ammonia right. strings yeah. and... Um, Scrubber stone. Scrubber stone. You know, this thing's regulated to the hill, but literally there's this huge factory down here burning old cars, um, and nobody wants to say a damn thing about well, it. Well, they're burning coke at auction, and coke is They're still coal. burning Chris, it's coal. coal. You can say it's what coal. you want, they're burning old cars. Oh, well, the car, they're melting cars, yeah. They're burning cars. Yeah. Well, I know that they recycle. A lot of your steel companies yeah. do do that. To get no, they they throw started. yeah they throw all those things in there to assist yeah. in the process yeah. to make your junk car burn faster yeah but <laughs> <laughs> all right so Mr. Engineer correct me where I'm wrong uh, he's saying a word <laughs> uh, so I don't know it's it's so well I could give you my experience on death. Well, well one point, is it a perception issue, an education issue, a social media issue, a media issue, or just a plain ignorance of our society issue? I think some Why of are it, you sweating over there? Sweating? Sweating. <laughs> you act like you're on the hot seat or something. Uh, gee, he's looking. I've got two guys staring right at me, answering questions. They're asking questions that I really don't know if I want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you before we started what we can and can't talk about. You said everything's fair game. I said, did I say that? You did? I'm not sure I said that. <laughs> I'm I glad I got here late. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think some of it is, is um, people don't like change. A lot of it is people don't like change. Yeah. Being an engineer, I live by that creed. I hate change. I hate it. But I think... Um, people's willingness to change is uh it's kind of been pressured by social media by by your your media and stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it's more of a i'm gonna tell a story here and then you guys can take with me i got a friend he's got a sister i believe he's all nameless and um she went out and bought an electric car because she's going to save the environment one car at a time mm -hmm. all right elon musk buys twitter she sells her electric car because she's not going to support that guy. So now she's back driving a gas guzzler again. I mean, so she went from saving the world to hating a guy now. Yeah. So is it? Are you just doing what's cool and convenient that day? Or are you actually putting the time in to understand what's going on? Because I honestly believe today, if you have a fuel efficient engine that has all the emission systems installed on it, that's probably better for the environment than an electric vehicle. In the long run, that's, that's 
possibly a true statement. It is a true statement. Okay. Just say it. No, no. I'm going to start putting words in your mouth. No, you're not. Engineering progress. <laughs> no, correct me if I'm wrong. You had a hybrid vehicle. I had a hybrid Yukon, yes. Yes. What yes. was your thoughts of it on power? I love that thing. I love that thing. But I never had to deal with um, replacing batteries or mm -hmm. anything like that. Now, that was a two-mode. That was one that would uh, charge um, from the transmission. Okay. It, didn't, it never even had an electric start on it. Oh, really? It would actually start the engine from the transmission. Really? Yeah. So it was a, a, uh, a two-mode setup. It'd run on gas uh, until it would get electric assist going down the road. Yeah. And then if you were under, I believe it was 30, 35 miles an hour, it would run solely on electric. Yeah. That's the way a lot of the race car technology is going yeah. now is hybrid, you know, electric but assist and stuff. It took its own mind at one time, though, and derailed and went to the woods, or what was <laughs> Ooh, that? Oh, the about? reality of it. <laughs> wife was I driving. need a drink Oh, for the this. wife was driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm hoping she won't see this too much. Yeah, so. yeah. But, uh, now, wait a minute. Was it the wife's fault or the vehicle's fault or the engineer's fault? Uh, well, didn't you have a wife take one through the woods, too? Well, I had nothing to do with electric. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That was more to do with an iPhone and not paying well, attention. I knew you had one. I didn't know what your thoughts on after driving it. So. Well, it, it, had, it did have an, have an electrical issue that was not tied to the drivetrain. Okay. But uh, let's just say the steering, steering recentered and on gravel, and that's not too healthy for it. <laughs> so it made its own parking garage out of its own wood, and that was the end of that. So. <laughs> That was a fun ride too, wasn't it, Sydney? <laughs> I guess we could go on. on, on about so I guess I got a question yeah, for an engineer. Everybody wants to know: Is the motor the first thing they think about? Then build the whole car around it so you can't work on them. Uh, I, I don't know that. I, I honestly, truly don't know yeah. that. Um, Boy, they make it difficult to work on some Well, I got, I got a lot to say on this one, too. Can I interrupt you? Sure. So, I'm just going to answer <laughs> for you. He won't, even, he won't even talk. So I'm going to tell you a couple different stories here. This is the true reality of it. So I got a cousin um, that graduated from Purdue, which is supposed to be the most, the best engineering school for mechanical engineering. I'll disagree with that, but go well, ahead. Well, that's what they, if you go <laughs> to that school, that's what they brainwash you into thinking. Have you been to Purdue campus? I have. I got a lot of family. You see that parking garage up there they can't use? <laughs> they got like a seven-story parking garage that the students engineered. They can only park cars on three layers because they forgot to figure the way of the cars when they was designing the parking garage. Well, I seen the Purdue engineering team at an event, and they couldn't even engineer themselves in a straight line, which was ridiculously embarrassing. <laughs> Wow. They couldn't engineer a basketball no, team last night either. <laughs> yeah, they, they've lost two engineering. And then... But go ahead. I, and then I heard this chief, this very, very, very well-respected individual in the aviation industry asking these individuals. They were interviewing and asking them, asking them questions. That's where you're talking about, yeah. Asking them questions. I've never taken the first aviation course in my life. Period. These mm -hmm. people are... Supposed to be second and third year engineering students in the aviation program at Purdue. And I couldn't answer the questions. I'm over there saying, I know, I know. <laughs> Some damn dumb hilljack from Indiana knows more than what, and I'm going to oh, be flying. Oh, here comes the hilljack again. <laughs> and I'm going to be flying on things. No, thank you, sir. Anyways, 
So I got a cousin, graduated from Purdue, took a job with Ford. I think it was a 2000, what was the year they redid the Mustang from the square body to the rounded front? Was it 2002, 2003, 2004, somewhere in there? I'm not a Mustang fan. So. I'm not either. So it was the same time they, in there they were having the issues with the rollover with all the excursions. He was working for Ford Motor Company, and my cousin's job was to engineer the engine bay. So he had to make sure everything fit in the engine bay. That was his job. Uh, he gets this all done, so basically they would design like um, the intake air because it fit in the engine bay, or they designed the oil pan because it made it fit in the engine bay, et cetera, et cetera. So he comes to Christmas one day and he's laughing. He's just laughing his ass off. I said, what's so funny? He's like, yeah, I got this thing done. I sent it down to get flat rate. It's going to take 12 hours to change oil in it. I said, 12 hours to change oil? He's like, yeah, I forgot to put a drain plug in. So yeah. I had to pull the engine to get the, get the oil out. <laughs> I'm like... And you think that's funny? I'm the dumb SOB that's going to deal with your stupid yeah. shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's and, not funny to me. And it does happen. And then... Um, Skip the simple stuff. I'm not going to name this other company, but this is more of a recent turn of events. Um, large company, went on strike. I've uh, got to know some of the higher-ups there at that company. And um, they need to start keeping product out, right? Mm -hmm. So they asked all the guys in the office, including the engineers, let's go out on the line and put these things together and get them, get them on down the road. You know how many changes were made once the mm -hmm. boys started working on those things? Oh, I bet. Why is that not standard procedure? Well, at some engine companies it is. Did you have to go out on the line? I did. Some? did you? I did. When we were working on uh, engines, they actually... Now, you're talking about Cummins. Yep. I yep. call people by names, except yep. for the one company I can't say because they pay some bills still. But yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, that when we were developing the engine, it was it was a requirement. There was a tear down and rebuild day. Oh yeah. It was actually, and it wasn't an engine on a stand either. Yeah. It was an engine in a truck. truck. Now, to elaborate on what you just said, mm -hmm. sometimes Cummins, the engine manufacturer, don't have full control over that engine bay of that application. Correct. Yeah. But you can still remote mount stuff and do some things to help them out. And I will say, back in the 90s, or late 90s up to about 2006, 2007, with the exception of Mac, Cummins was probably the second easiest engine to work on. Bolt placement. Just stupid shit. Like, give me enough room to get a wrench in there. Give mm -hmm. me enough. If you're going to, like, air compressors. I forgot who it was. I think it was Cat or Bendix. They wouldn't mill out enough to where the bolt goes to hold the air compressor on there, so you couldn't even get a damn socket in there. You had open-end wrench. Really? Like, literally, a pencil-fed more yeah, countersink on that makes all the difference mm -hmm. in the world. It's not, that, it's not that big a deal, so I will give Cummins credit on that. You can see that in their engine yeah. designs. Yeah, the service, service was a big deal then. Uh, fuel economy was big then, so that's what we focused on was uh, a lot of your emissions, a lot of your service, and stuff like that. Now, I will say that uh, I work with the big three and other companies now, and uh, General Motors actually puts their spec to the engineers that are designing things for wrench cleaners. I mean, they do, ha they do have a good awareness of service. Uh, so, it's, so I want to back up to Cummins real quick, because I know I'm going to get a bunch of hate for this, which <laughs> is fine, because I stand behind everything I said. I do bash on Cummins a lot, mm -hmm. and it's mostly because they're noisy, they leak oil, and they just start, they, they're hard to start when they're cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, their newer engines, not so much, but mm -hmm. back in, I'd say, 90 through about 2010, they were mm -hmm. notorious for that. 
uh, especially the uh, 855 Ben Cams, N14s, M11s. They all they they just they all leaked oil. They were hard to start, um, and they were noisy. Mm-hmm. Even though five nine twelve valves, that was the noisiest engine ever made. You know the biggest problem I got with the N14. I really think it would start if they would just redo some of the software on it. Well, that thing's uh, got to build oil pressure before it'll fire. That's uh, right. That's a precursor to the injectors they wanted to use, though. <laughs> See, he ain't going to tell everybody. I'm going to yeah. tell everybody what's going on. He ain't bluffing my ass. Uh, but Cummins does do a lot of things really well. They've always been fairly reliable, as long as you kept oil in them. Mm-hmm. Um, parts were fairly inexpensive and accessible with the within the last couple of years of COVID, it screwed with some stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were always, they were easy to work on. The only complaint I ever have about a Cummins design is that stupid, retarded auxiliary shaft that drives everything that pukes oil everywhere. Other than that, <laughs> I can other, live with everything. Other than that, and other than this. Yeah, yeah. Other than that. Yeah. You know, like on the pickup side, Cummins could get what power they needed with Six cylinders moving versus power strokes and Duramax with well, eight that, cylinders now moving. Now you into geometries. With, and, well, it's less moving parts. Yeah, <laughs> but it's horsepower, horsepower versus torque. Well, that's true too. Well, it's all leverage. It also was able to take the punishment of Farmer Chris growing up. Yeah. Well, it, it took a lot of punishment it, too. You can say it I took mean, a lot of punishment. Yeah, that, I mean the the old five nine, the rotating assembly is pretty bulletproof, and usually if you screw it up, it's because you pushed it too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still, it, it just like any engine out there, it still has its, it sure. still has its. Somebody give me some hints to, uh, on my old Dodge pickup to adjust the wastegate linkage rod just a little bit. <laughs> Somebody adjusted it a little too far. Yeah. Now he's got a burnt hole in his hood when the paint's gone because the turbo gets too hot on it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, all in all, honestly, I don't, um, I don't think I'd ever own a Cummins engine in a semi. But uh, I honestly don't have, in all reality, I don't have an issue with them. That mm-hmm. uh, four, is it the four, four now or four three BT I got in that Hyundai? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good engine. I'm not. I don't think the six sevens is as good engine. Is why I didn't buy one. They've got some problems, but I still have my five nine. So yeah, but uh, they, you know, the um, ISX now, and mm-hmm. which is in the semis, they. Um, They've proved themselves to be fairly reliable. The, the reality, I guess, you know, whenever I was back in the indus- industry, if uh, like the C12s, the C15 Cats, the 60 Series Detroits, uh, the N14s, they were a million mile engines. Mm-hmm. They'd go a million miles. Yeah. The Cat, the Max, mm-hmm. E7s, E6s. Um, today, because of the harsh tuning they have to do with the electronics, the EGRs, the emission systems, uh, a lot of the things we do to the engine actually makes it run dirtier. Mm-hmm. Uh, which don't make it as efficient, and it builds a lot of heat. If you can get five, six hundred thousand miles out of an engine, uh, I just don't see why, like, like with an EGR valve, taking the exhaust and dumping it back in, that's very yeah, clean knocking, on a motor. You're, you're using that. You're using CLT to knock knocks out, basically, yeah. is what you're doing. Yeah. But you're uh, a Mac guy. Yep. He's a Cummins guy. Wasn't there a time when Mac could not meet emissions or quit making motors that Mac started putting Cummins no, that's in them? The whole, no, uh, no. Okay. No, um, I'll disagree with that. Okay. <laughs> so there was. So somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. And there is some Mack trucks out there with Cummins, Cummins motors in them. Oh yeah. But um, where that comes down from is is the engine, which is the one behind me, which is the E7 E-Tech engine. 
uh, that engine was never going to clean up enough to burn on death. Okay. Uh, so the thought process was, is we got to have plan B. Uh, the first plan was to go with Cummins. They were going to put Cummins engines in all Mack trucks. But in the meantime, Volvo bought them, and they ended up with all the Volvo engines in them. Volvo engines in them. Uh, is what ended up happening. So there was, a, and I, there was a handful of Cummins trucks out yeah, there. Yeah, it was probably mid to late 90s. Uh, no, these would have been like, um, that was whenever they went to the E7 from the E6 mm. because they didn't have the E7 out for power. The E6 was only, a, uh, was it 10.9 liter or something? Mm. Okay. The E7 was a 12 liter. But the conversation I'm recalling is would have been like 2005-ish. I see, I was out of the industry then. Uh, but Vol Mac was honestly not in the best shape then because of the emissions right. pressure. And then, and then this engine here, they had a bunch of problems with it with core sand and valve, uh, <clears throat> valve train problems and they couldn't get it cleaned up enough to burn off death. Mm. But uh, the MP8, MP9 engine, which is basically a Volvo engine, Volvo bought them, they went with the Volvo engine. You're talking engine. about the one with the hood popped? Huh? You're talking about the engine with it's, the hood uh, popped? It's got 500,000 miles on it getting a routine service. That'd be the one. <laughs> oh, okay. Routine service. <laughs> there is. The floor's wet. Under it's because I changed oil. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> um, but, okay, we got way off track again. I just want to say, I, Cummins is a company. I got a lot of family that works there. I know a lot of people that work up there. It's not an American company through and through, but it's still an American-based company. Would you say that? Uh, actually, I won't have a comment on that because I don't know. I, when I was there, it was pretty thick on, on USA, but I, I can't. I think they're engineering still pretty heavily here in the States, but I think yeah. they've moved some production around. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, it's been it's been good to this local economy. They do make good, some good engines. I can't. I will say they make some good engines. It, and, it, and honestly, it's okay to admit that it's okay. Every manufacturer makes some good ones and some bad ones. But I want to go um, go on, and and I don't want to get into this argument. What's better, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, Toyota, mm -hmm. whatever? We can argue this all amongst them. Honestly, if I'm going to speak honest right now, as far as a company, like a corporate company. Ford Motor Company is probably my favorite. I'll be honest with you. You they, don't even own a Ford. I don't own a Ford. Ooh. But they're probably, they took the least money for buyout, right? They have uh, probably more of their manufacturing here in the States than the other big three, Chrysler and mm -hmm. General Motors. Uh, they don't get quite as involved with the political shenanigans, I'll just call it that. Uh, but here's my problem with Ford. Is everything's over engineered and impossible to work on? It's why I don't own one. Is Ford's one that's easier to take the whole cab off to work on the motor? It is pop the hood, ain't it? Which has a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of your, a lot of your companies going We're going that, that way, way now. Yeah. Uh, which I don't sound as bad as what it is because it's made to come off and go back With down. With electric plug-ins, yeah. But you know, whenever I bought this new truck, I got every General Motors product I've had, like. Every part I go to get for it is probably like half the cost of anything else. Um, I can pop the hood on that brand new 2023 truck out there and I can see the ground. Like I can get my hands down there and work on stuff. Oh, well. Yeah. You go pop the hood on Jason Works a Lot's brand new 2022 Power Stroke. Yeah. Like you couldn't even close a nap underneath mm -hmm. the hood without it popping out the top. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Everything's tied under there. It's, yeah, it's all about efficiency now. You know what I mean? So, um, 
I don't buy General Motors because I think they're the best vehicle on the road. I buy them because I know they're going to break. I can afford to work on them, and their engineering train of thought aligns with my engineering train of thought, <laughs> and I can I can think like them. Does that make sense? I'm sure there's people out there that buy Chrysler for the same reason. I think there's people out there that buy uh, Ford for the same reason. Um, I just you know whenever I was a young girl, I used to get into the argument about you know which one's better than which. They all got their goods. They all got their problems. Oh, yeah. I just I just mm-hmm. go with what works for me. Um, and I've ran I've ran a lot of GM products three four hundred thousand miles yeah. before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't. They've they've got me by. Yeah. Anymore, it's uh, it's getting harder to work on. I'm not talking about the big three. I'm talking about all, all companies now. I mean, just to change the spark plugs in a vehicle anymore, you almost have to re- remove the the windshield bezel, not if it's the a windshield GM. wipers. Oh, yeah. The Toyota, you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been there, done and that a few times. Jack the engine oh. forward or something. Really? Like that. Some of the smaller cars, you might. I don't know. Of course, yeah. a lot of what I did was the, the bigger big stuff. Truck, sure, sure. I guess the problem I got for Cummins, or and it may not be the Cummins as much as the other company, but you know, we got a patchy sprayer with a Cummins motor in it. Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong with the motor. We gotta have Cummins come out, you know. Apache for software-wise. Yeah, yeah, Cummins won't let Apache have the the same way with Hyundai. You know, and mm. versatile tractor, versatile dealer can't work on that Cummins motor. You gotta have a Cummins tech come out and work on it. So you want to know the Cummins answer to that? Because he ain't gonna give it to you because he don't talk. You don't need to work on it. No, <laughs> um, software is easy to steal. Yeah, yeah. there's proprietary information yeah. in that software they don't want shared. Yeah, yeah. which I can kind of see that. But, but then you go Dodge. It seems like a Dodge dealership works on all the dang motors, but I guess it's I such outdated know. stuff. Yeah, but he <laughs> <laughs> won't answer. I'm wow. just answering for him. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> I so, didn't <laughs> something you you can't say or may not say or don't want to say, but you know well, what I was talking like about. A good prequel, right there. <laughs> about some of the stuff you worked on last. You know, I remember you working on brake line stuff for autos, automobiles, correct? Yeah. Is that you, something that's, you're still working yeah, on now? That's current, yes. So, can you uh, speak of kind of what your situation is here today? Um, well, right now I'm been promoted out of engineering basically uh, now it's into testing validation prototyping stuff like that so uh i still get drugged back into the design realm Damn. Uh, which that's really what i enjoy mm-hmm. uh, I, I enjoy the fact that uh the people can see what you do and not like it and chew yeah. on you and let you have it and they let you know and i've never done that before. never <laughs> never about it. i should have been <laughs> on a trip to Terra drive system. oh yeah yeah but you know people talk about engineers and something that people don't take into account is an engineer has to have some level of arrogance do they you do i don't i disagree with that statement really yeah hmm i like some of the best engineers in the world do their job go home and don't even talk about it you're right you're right i think there's always a critic i think the engineers that are arrogant are the ones that are trying to compensate for what they don't know the smoke and mirrors game well um, I'm not buying what you're selling, Gator. Well, you ain't you ain't swallowed the whole pill. <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> feed me the other half because I didn't like that one. <laughs> because you you have critics no matter what you do. You can go one route or another route. No Someone's going to hate it. Yeah, somebody's going to. Someone hate has it. to. Hate, you have to have thick skin. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that. But uh, I don't think that has to make you arrogant, though. I think it does make you arrogant in the long run. 
I don't think it's, it may not be by choice, but I think you get so many battles that you have to buy, you have to fight just, just to prove your point. And granted, there are, there are guys out there that they're just flat out arrogant. Um, I, like, again, we, we've dealt with, with issues of not invented here. You know, guys yeah. don't like designs because they didn't come up with it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's everywhere. Yeah. That's everywhere. Pride can be the first tech, worst technological pressure in the world right now. Um, there's always, you know, you're, you're trying to keep the public happy, but you're trying to keep mechanics happy. You're trying to keep service happy. You're trying mm-hmm. to, to, to get durability out of it. And Government happy. Somebody has to give somewhere. Right. Yeah. And uh, no matter what, it always goes back to the engineer. Yeah, I will, I will agree with that statement, that there's a lot more compromising that goes on in your mm-hmm. guys' world than what we realize. And whenever I bitch about serviceability, that's one column on your spreadsheet of checklist. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, other criteria you have to meet. Mm-hmm. I guess my frustration comes in, and not in the 15th or 16th chapter and deep in the details, it's the stupid common sense shit, like yes. mill out the damn opening so I can get a wrench on there. Yeah, yeah. Or, or don't make the dirt funnels. Or don't make dirt funnels. <laughs> or don't mount this big old heavy DPF onto an aluminum intake. Like there is no excuses for that shit. We, we've kind of lost some of the, the KISS method. Yeah, keep, keep it, it simple, simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess my frustration level goes through the roof, I'm not going to make any excuses about it. I'm completely 100% uneducated in the engineering world. Zero education, nothing. Mm-hmm. But whenever I look at something, and I can tell you by just looking at it that that's going to fail, mm-hmm. or that ain't right, or that's wrong, or I can quickly see another solution that would be way better, mm-hmm. my frustration level goes through the roof. And I can see that, and it, it is it. There is some of a lost art to it right now. Um, you know, I just had an attachment company send me something. I ended up buying this attachment, mm-hmm. but before I purchased, I said I want to talk to your engineer. He said, "What's your concern?" I said, "That joint is going to fail." He said, "Mike, if that joint fails, I will give you a new rake." I said, "Stand by for pictures." A year and a half later, guess what he got? A picture of pictures. this piece of mm-hmm. equipment in two pieces. Right where I said it was going to fail. Yeah. I don't need all the math. I don't need all the science. I don't need the CAD system. I can tell you that's going to fail. Yeah. I, and, and it's something you run into. Um, you see a lot of it is you see a lot of textbook engineers. Um, the one thing that, that kind of helped me through um, engineering is the fact that growing up, my dad ran a small hobby farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I so mean, you got a taste of the other side of it. Yeah, I've I've gotten my hands dirty. I've you, I guess we call that redneck engineering. <laughs> redneck Bingo. engineering. Yeah. But we ain't got it, but we got to yeah. make it work. Yeah. Redneck engineering works off of common sense. Yeah. It yeah. really does. Yeah. And um, some of the guys that I've dealt with, a lot of the guys are really good, and a lot they, of guys they are. are really uh, you you bring up a good point there is that we shouldn't 
categorize everybody. Right. Uh, just like I shouldn't categorize all Cummins engine into Cummins. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few good ones in there every once in a while. You know? yeah. Every now and then they get it right. So. Um, but, but yeah, there's an art. There's there's a lost art, and, and it's just guys just have to go out and get their hands dirty and, and see what works and what doesn't work. I mean, there, there's designs I've worked with, some of these hybrid vehicles, and they're like, well, we want service to do this with one, we want this connector on with one bolt and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, you're gonna do this, but you're gonna give this up here. And I'm like, well, okay. I was like, but you can't do this. Yeah. Right. I said, it's not gonna pass. Yeah. I don't know if it's that much right now as much as what it used to be probably in the mid-2000s in the automotive industry and a couple of different industries. But I feel like, I feel like there was a sense of instead of keeping it simple, stupid, the KISS method, mm -hmm. everybody was in an arms race to out-engineer out everybody else. And stuff got way more complicated than what it needed to be. Well, yeah, there is a lot of that and there's a lot of look what I can do right. out there. Instead of just sticking with the basics. Right. Right. Um, I feel like, you know, with this Cummins motor, it's in my Hyundai. If you look at that motor, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of stuff on that engine that's just right back to the basics. Yeah. Went back to the basics yeah. more. Yeah. Let's go back to what we know works. Yeah. yeah. Stop playing around with all this look at me stuff. Yeah. And I can remember being at, at Cummins. Uh, Cummins had a few. They had some down years before, you know, in the, in the I think it was the 80s, pre-90s, I know yeah, that much. Yeah. And uh, some, I remember some of the comments that the engineers and managers made is, is we got too arrogant. Yeah. And, you know, realizing that's a big deal. They got arrogant when they developed the PT fuel system. Yeah. Which, if people don't know, is a pressure time fuel system, which is the preluder to what we know today as the common rail. Mm -hmm. which is which Cummins was right it was the way of the future mm -hmm. but they got a little too cocky a little too mm -hmm. quick with it right is, is what ended up yeah keeping quality up is, is no a, more Cummins history than you thought I did don't you not <laughs> nobody you're pressing me over here <laughs> nobody can argue like that and not know so <laughs> and I know you can argue so <laughs> yeah um all right we're running a little bit long here I, I want to hit on something else though and I'm going to we're gonna go a totally different, we're just gonna go straight up mechanical engineering. Okay. Uh, you're familiar with the tile plow I built. Yep. Um, and I wanna talk about how failure is part of engineering. Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with failure. Absolutely. Um, so I built this tile plow and we had a few failures along the way. Mm -hmm. And I caught all kinds of slack about how uh, I should have had an engineer draw it out. I should have had this done. I should have had this done. And I wasted my time with this, that, and the other. So let's go down a hypothetical route here. And I know you're on my side on this one, so that's kind of what I, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on you on this <laughs> Gee, I'll pull my socks up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's got to have, got to know the value of time and money. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's cheaper to try and fail than it is to run all these tests and tests in all these simulations to still fail. Mm -hmm. Like, let me just get some real life data and go on. Yes. Uh, so back to my tile plow, the first failure we had was the lift cylinders on it. <coughs> and everybody was going on and on about how I should have drew it out on CAD. I should have had an engineer spec it out, this, that, and the other. That cost me six hours and a hundred dollars with a metal. How, how much time do you think I would have had with an engineer 
for him to tell me what I did wrong or didn't do wrong whenever I could just figure it out on my own. Well, if you expedited it, you'd have probably got it in uh, two weeks, maybe? Yeah. So I've already been plowing pipe by the time he figured right. out whether he was going to look at it or right. not. And then, dealing with some engineers on another project, the first thing they're going to do is point their finger at the part of the project they didn't engineer, and that's going to be the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hole in that system the other day. You mean not invented here? Yeah, not invented here. Oh, boy, don't let's go down. You want to play that game? I'll play that game. I got a list. I'll go down this road. So, if you're a guy tinkering in the garage, if you're a guy thinking about building something, or if, you got, if you're a guy that's got an idea, don't, don't think you have to have it drawn out perfectly on paper or you no. have to have it engineered to a T. Start tinkering. Uh, figure it out. I built that boot on the back of that plow hoping to get 10,000 feet of pipe in the ground. Mm -hmm. I built it out of the material I dig because it was cheap and easy to prove mm -hmm. as a prototype. I knew I probably had weak points on them, but I let them prove themselves before I ever addressed. Mm -hmm. I ended up plowing 160-something yeah. thousand feet of pipe in the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, again, everybody said it would never work. Never work, yeah. But my point is, the amount of money I saved by just trial and error versus having that particular project engineered is astounding. So why do I, this is where you come in, why do I want to waste my time on that type of particular project with engineering? Well, in that particular project, I wouldn't have. Right. I'd have done what you'd have done. I mean, we've all, we've all grown up this way where we've, anybody that has not tinkered with anything, I mean, the, the, growing up, there's no telling how many small engines that I've taken apart that I couldn't get back together. It drove dad insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been there, done it myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I know there's parts still laying around like that. But uh, I, I think it, it's a program project that you had that didn't warrant engineering as far as yeah. putting it on paper. Right. Engineer it as you go. I mean, impromptu stuff, being able to, to think on your feet is a big part of engineering. I, I, my opinion is. Right. That's, that's what I Now, think. let's flip, the, let's flip the, the thing here a little bit. If you want to talk about like major infrastructure or something that, that affects public safety, mm -hmm or stuff like that, obviously it needs to be engineered and everything needs to make sure it meets spec and everything, weight loads and calculations and all that stuff's done. But I feel like we take it too far. In a world that uh, it's full as, of lawyers. as many, many lawyers as we so have. Happy. Yeah. And if, you know, what I deal with, we, we sell millions and millions and millions of brake hoses. Uh, just, just in a year, and obviously that's a safety concern on a car. Right. So we, yeah, we've got the stuff that we've we've built, and or the stuff that we continue to do the same way because we know it works and we know how to it's test proven. that. It's proven. It's proven. Um, but a project like you're talking about, you're talking right now, you're talking about a one-off project. I mean. You're the one that's going to be running it. You're the one that owns it. You're the one that's going to be proofing it out. So in the you're the engineer on that project. Right. Yeah, I, I am paying for my own failures. Right. And me paying for my own failures is still cheaper and more efficient than somebody to tell me it's going to fail and try to give me a correction. Because I guarantee you, uh, with me paying for it, my solutions are going to be much cheaper and much more economical than any yeah. solution... I ever got from a certified engineer. And faster. Yeah. And I just walked around the farm show this last year, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. 
Every major tile manufacturer in the United States has studied my plow. They knew exactly who I was. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are going to go out and start building their tile plows, but I think I've proved how easy it could be done. It's funny uh, how that happens sometimes. Isn't yeah, it? and the, the biggest manufacturer out of all of them told me I was crazy whenever I was going to do it to start with. <laughs> you know, um, I hate that told because me. of the plow? Hmm? Or just told you he's crazy? Well, it, it, yeah. either one fits. So. Maybe, maybe I'm falling yeah. into that cocky, that cocky little area. You know, you welded, you welded that first plow up here in the shop, or man behind the scenes welded up. Yeah. You know, and you had a few little failures, but it worked. The plow itself worked flawlessly. Yeah. You had somebody else weld a second boot up for it. Oh, my God. It's a joke. And they struggled on it. So, you know. Yeah, so to put that in perspective, and I'll give, I'll give Aaron a lot of credit on this uh for for those that don't know there's a whole playlist on the channel about this tile plow i honestly built it out of um necessity i gotta sneeze <laughs> excuse me i actually built it out of uh, necessity versus wanting to because uh, we end up with a pretty large tile large job. job i went to buy one from a couple different manufacturers and there just wasn't one available mm -hmm. uh in the timeline i needed so i'm like oh man what am i gonna do and to buy one was you're talking with GPS and everything on it, like uh, probably close to fifty thousand dollars. I was gonna say fifty or sixty. And I could have coughed up the money, but I didn't really want to cough up the money. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, let me just think about this for a minute. I got this big dozer. I got this thing on the back that goes up and down. I got a welder. Got a little short guy that likes to weld. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I literally in in less than an hour drew this whole thing out on graph paper mm -hmm. at my desk. Uh, with a pencil, a protractor, mm -hmm. uh, ruler, just, uh, I, I probably drew it three different times, but less than an hour for all my drawings. The very next day, I go to the machine shop in town, hand him my draft paper, and he cuts out all my pieces. We used all those pieces he cut out except for two. Mm -hmm. Probably 30-piece 30 30 cut list, we used them all but two. Yeah. Uh, then me and Aaron come up here to shop, and, and I, I'll give Aaron credit whenever it comes to welding stuff like that. Like, he knows what the hell he's doing as far word as keeping of, it from warping and drawing and wear, maintaining yeah. measurements. There's way more goes in that anybody realizes. So we use that boot for full season, full season, yeah. 160,000 feet of tile. And we started having some crush failures on the back of it, which honestly we knew was going to happen. Like it wasn't a huge surprise that it that was, happened. It was a beta test. It, it, it was a prototype. Proving the concept. <laughs> so I didn't have time to repair this boot and I wanted, it worked so I wanted to build a second boot. So I took, I don't want to throw this machine shop no. under the bus because they've done me a lot of good work. But I, I guess to prove what we did is the conversation. I took this, I took the old boot down there. I took the boot roller down there and he already had all my measurements from previous, right? I said, mm -hmm. I want a new boot that'll put six inch tile in solo. I want to fix this boot, build them. And let me tell you, they struggled for three weeks to build these boots, and they still ain't right. Like me and Aaron are still going to end up, and it's bad. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, is that a conversation of maybe it's not as easy as it looks? Yeah. I don't know where yeah. that goes. Well, I mean, there's people that understand you, and there's people that don't understand what's going on and, and i don't feel like what we were doing with that was like really difficult yeah. work but there's just certain things that are extremely important to the success of that that have to be right mm -hmm. and those like there's some stuff you can just pray and spray and pray as he would say then there's certain things that has to be right, right. 
and yeah. uh, those few things that needed to be right just aren't right. But uh, we'll get so, well. It'll work. We'll make it work. But uh, well, did you take AutoCAD in high school, or AutoCAD was in high school when you was there? CAD was uh, CAD was actually starting out at school when I. I was in there. industrial arts, okay. yeah. But so is that what you got you interested in that? Or? No, mine's actually in Creo. Okay. Uh, I know they're teaching AutoCAD out there now. My mine was mine's Creo now, which was previously Pro Engineer. Okay. So it's actually a 3D software. Um, we actually use the Mechanica part, which is the FEA software. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's I, I started on. The CAD system, gosh, back in 98 at Cummins, uh, they were actually mm -hmm. using Pro-E also. I'd say 95, I was taking AutoCAD school. Yeah. I took it for three years, so. Somebody wanted to get started and, and your path was to, That's exactly to study. What, exactly what I was gonna ask here, kind of in closing. Yeah. So if you had uh, an individual at school come up to you and said, hey, I wanna go down this particular route, what would your, what would your advice be to them? Well, my first advice would be is pick do you want to sit behind a desk or do you want to be hands-on? Uh, I'll pick both. Pick both? That won't be difficult. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going behind the desk, you need to get your hand. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. That's what we proven here. That's so. right. I mean, application's huge. I mean, that's what I was talking previously. I know a lot of book yeah. smart engineers that have no application skills. And uh, that's unfortunate because they can sit there and talk the game, but they can't, yeah. they can't push it out. I've, you know, working with Aaron and I've kind of aligned myself with a lot of like-minded people, you know, but um, having a good team around you to bounce ideas off of and mm -hmm. different trains of thought, because like you may be application-based, he may be book-based, and this mm -hmm. guy may be service-based, mm -hmm. but, you know, having that good team communication, I think, can it's go huge. a long way. It is, and having somebody that you can go to, that you know that you can go to, um, it builds your confidence too. Right. Yeah. Um, it lets you go out and just just a little bit more risk. Right. Um, just because you know that he can back you up on this and he can help fill the gaps. Right. It, it's it's a it's that's a big deal. Okay. Um, but for people that want to go into the engineering, I mean, applications huge. Um, do do your CAD systems do. Do your math classes. I mean, those are those are huge. I never said I never thought I excelled in school with <laughs> yeah. math or any of my classes. Yeah. But, but um, going, getting your schooling, getting your getting your hands on, tinker. Yeah. Find something, tear it apart, tinker with it. I mean, again, I've got motors that I still haven't been able to put back together. Yeah. Um, and then, then figure out what you really want to do because there are different sides. There's different paths. There's yeah, design there's. engineering. There's there's designing the part itself. There's designing the process to make that part. There's there's quality. There's all kinds of things. There's many different realms that you can go through. So, would you say it would be a realistic path for somebody to go to <clears throat> school and get the basics with like CAD and math mm -hmm. and then get a job somewhere and kind of fill out the work field because if you get in somewhere there's a good chance your employer may even yeah. assist in your training schooling or training which is what yourself. I fell into yeah right yeah because that's kind of my you know if somebody tells me they want to become a mechanic or they want to be in the service industry mm -hmm. and they're going to go to uh, like a Lincoln Tech like I did or, or Vincennes or something mm -hmm. like that 
I'm like, I'll be straight up, like, why are you wasting your time? Like, you're going to learn on engines that are 10 years dated. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn the absolute basics. You're not going to learn anything advanced at all. Like, if you are serious about it, and you're going to have to pay for it. Um, obviously, I'm not getting sponsored by Lincoln Tech or Vincennes <laughs> anytime soon. But, um, but if you go to work for a major engine company, Cummins, Cat, whoever, a major car company, Ford, GM, whatever, if you, I don't care if you get in in the beginning and just change oil for six weeks. If you prove yourself, that talent will be recognized. Yeah. They will send you, all these companies got their own programs. Mm -hmm. yeah. They will send you to their programs. They will teach you on the latest and greatest stuff that's on the road today. They will also teach you on what's coming yeah. out. And then you know what that person will look at me? Yeah, but well, they'll make me sign a three or four year non-compete. You dumb SOB, you're gonna go to school for two or three years anyways. Yeah. What yeah. the hell's the damn difference? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm like? That is the most irrelevant argument yeah. I could ever hear. Like, they are going to pay you to go to school. Yeah. yeah. And then they're going to ask you to work there for two years? How dare they? How dare they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus you're just going to go party for a couple years and learn the basics and then go still yeah. do that. Then, then if you hire in, they're still going to make you do the same thing. Go back through their program go again. Go back through their program again. I don't, right. I don't blame these companies for if they're going to invest in training you. Yeah. To to require you to stay or pay your way out. John you know, Deere has changed their program uh, towards that way now. Mm -hmm. But there's, um, I, I mean, I basically, I went to Lincoln Tech um, pretty much a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew the basics. They confirmed I knew the basics, and they shipped my ass out the door. That's what it came down to. Um, now, I went to work for a Mack truck dealership, and that Mack truck dealership gave me the opportunity to take training through them. I took advantage of every training opportunity I got, and I learned a lot. Yeah, it's stuff. Twenty years later, I still apply today. Yeah, um, when part of my journeymanship when I was at, at Cummins was, they actually had classes where you tear the engines down. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just one engine. You, there were the whole. Yeah. The, you could take the whole onslaught of, of engines. Well, and rebuild them. Even me being from a dealership, going to they called it Mack University at the time. Mm -hmm. You had access to the like those engineers were in those classes, mm -hmm. and you could talk to them about issues coming through your shop and their opinions on it, or are they know this is a known issue and this is how they're addressing it, or help you diagnose stuff. And um, electronically controlled engine, no matter who makes it, is still the basic operating principle. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to Lincoln Tech, I had a, a professor up there. His name was uh, Gillenwater, and uh, had a hundred-page test in diesel engines class, and I wrote every answer down as heat. I answered every answer in that test as heat. He failed me. I argued. I got 100. <laughs> he, you know, his exact answer was, he goes, how in the hell does heat make oil pressure? I said, well, that's simple, sir. I said, the oil pressure is created by resistance. Resistance is created by a pump. A pump's turned by the engine. The engine's turned because of combustion. Combustion happens because of heat. <gasps> Ding! <laughs> Heat. Go back to the argument skills here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what they taught them up there. <laughs> so I could go name something on the engine. Yeah, yeah. It all goes back to heat. Yeah. And he pissed me off. I answered them all heat, and I argued one. Uh, now the test may got rewrote after that. I don't know well, for yeah. sure. But yeah. All the questions they say don't answer with heat. Don't answer. <laughs> heat no. is not the answer of any questions. But uh, that goes back to my point of. 
I ain't going to say I wasted my time at Lincoln Tech, but I wish I just would have went straight into mm-hmm. the workforce and learned what I did. Um, I, as far as following my education after high school, the two years I spent at Lincoln Tech was it. It was pretty much a waste of my time. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but the knowledge I'd gained from the real-world experience and the people in the real world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. had some awesome teachers at Mac, yeah. had some awesome teachers at the dealership, had some awesome mentors along the way. Um, that's where my uh, knowledge comes from, and I don't want to throw a previous business mm-hmm. partner under the bus with, with a degree from um, IU in business, but... Uh, he knew the book side of the business, and I'm not going to deny that yeah. fact whatsoever, but I mean, I had the business degree, but I also knew the common sense side of business, and um, after a while, we got mutual respect for each other. I think it, it went a little bit better, but uh, I had to realize that he was right sometimes, but he also had to realize I was right sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Purdue for a year and realized that wasn't my... Uh my lifestyle so too far north yeah you know and <laughs> grandpa probably taught me the most feeling and he dropped out of school in eighth grade and then when i went to uh construction world my uh german leader he was a high school dropout and he was very well sought after in the industry because yeah. of because of his knowledge in the trade grandpa so. teach you how to check a spark plug no, <laughs> I ain't gonna do it like he did. No, I ain't never seen that. I've never seen a guy grab a spark plug and no. just start cranking well, around and see which one taught, fired. That thought. Um, that's all about your calluses. Yeah. <laughs> you think you're your callus, the less it hurts. Yeah. I guess so. That's, that's true engineering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had an electrician tell me that one time. I said, How do you do that? He said, You don't work hard enough. He said, You get a big enough callus. He said, You'll just be a tingle. <laughs> um, I guess uh, there, there's always been this age-old argument about engineers versus mechanics and engineers versus mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. Um, I think, I just want to be fair to everybody, I think it goes back to there's good mechanics, there's bad mechanics, there's good engineers, there's bad engineers. Mm-hmm. I've worked with as many or more good engineers than I have bad. Right. Um, I think what makes, I'm going to circle back around to this, what makes an engineer really bad is cockiness. Mm-hmm. Whenever he gets his heels dug in, dead set, that he's right and nobody else can prove him wrong, he's in trouble. Um, If you want to be a good engineer, you need to be a team player. You need to be Mm -hmm. open-minded. And that can be applied to a lot of different things. Uh, I've been humbled many times. Yeah, I have too. I'm not going to deny it. I've I've screwed up some dirt jobs. I've screwed up some mechanic jobs. I've... Mm -hmm. I screwed up a tile plow, but I, I look at that as part of the, like, learn from it. Yeah. Like, learn. don't sit there and lick your wounds. Don't do it again. Learn from it. Yeah. Like, what do we need to do to make sure this don't happen again and, and, and make it better? So, um, go on. Well, I appreciate you coming in and letting us harass well, you. I sure. Pick on you a little bit. I, mean, I, I get beatings nowhere else. Why would I not want to come in for this? Chris gets tired of me picking on him, so I had to get some, I had to get some new, yeah. uh, new material new in here. New blood so. here, huh? I, uh, At least he kept it in the family. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the one invite him, so I guess I'll see what uh, payback I get after this. So. <laughs> you know, one of the funniest things that I always had to deal with is I used to have to travel to Detroit a lot for designs and stuff like that. I mean, we'd actually be on the car, and every one of them would go, where are you from? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you've got an accent like you're the biggest hill jack in the world. I said, 
Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I'm doing some of these designs, we took on some of the biggest companies in the world, and this yeah. Southern Indiana Hilljack, you know, wins. Yeah. You know, because I was able to apply common sense to it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what's lost in so many things is common sense. Yeah. And that can be applied across a smorgasbord of different things is common sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I. Um, <laughs> and follow up on that story. I went to uh, college in Indianapolis, which is only three hours north of here. Mm -hmm. Detroit's what six hours north of here, mm -hmm. five and a half, six, six hours half, north. Six so it, it's not that far away from right. us. And uh, I became a manager at Lowe's, and I'd paid something over the PA, and I had this one manager. <laughs> he was a lot of fun. I'd paid something, and no more. I hung up the phone. He's like, uh, "Can we get the city translation on that, please?" <laughs> can I buy a vowel? <laughs> 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 oh, like, I, of course, some people take offense to it. I thought it was absolutely yeah, hilarious. hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it didn't bother me one bit. Know. You know, it's, it'll move on. So, all right. Well, sir, I appreciate yep, you coming absolutely. in, and letting us harass you a little bit. Yeah. And you're, uh, I will give you credit. We've had a lot of conversations. You're not your typical engineer. I'm, I am atypical. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you live, uh, you live more on our side of the world than what you do on <laughs> on the other side of the world. You're also a good family friend. So. Appreciate that, and uh, we'll see how the comments go on this, and maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll have you back, and maybe you'll not want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.